coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Promoting peace, healthy living, and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host Barbara Gon Mueller. Hi, I'm Barbara Gon Mueller. Welcome to another podcast with people who are helping us be happy, healthier, and even bring peace into our lives. If you've been a regular podcast viewer, you know that peace is the foundation of health and healthy living. Happiness also figures into that. Today, we're going to interview Dr. Bernie Siegel, one of my favorite people on planet Earth, and I'm so glad he was born, let me tell you. I look at this book no less than three times a day 365 Prescriptions for the Soul. And I just ordered another copy of Love Miracles and Love, what is it? Love? Love Medicine and Miracles. Medicine, the second word. Love Medicine and Miracles. Because I gave my book away. And I heard people talking about your book and I said, all right, we've got to get that book again. It's got to be on my bookshelf. Bernie is one of those people who has always believed that healing begins as an internal process. And when you look at promoting peace, healthy living, and happiness, you're going to want to listen to Bernie two or three times. And now you can listen to him on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Sound iCloud. Bernie, welcome. Thank you. And I may say, just as you do, I, I'm still reading this every day. Uh, it's got to be 25 or so years ago that it was written, but or more. But um, I find that we still keep learning from what we've written, even if you write your own journal. And I'm reading, yeah, I found a journal from 1996, a diary I kept. It's wonderful to reread it because of the things that happened on those days and what I learned about them. So that's part of my morning. I have at least four books here that, you know, I start with and go on. Well, my late husband, Dr. Robert Mueller, always said, don't lose your wisdom. Keep a pad of paper around. Write down when you're thinking of something because the next few seconds will take it away. Right, Bernie? Our spouses are wonderful editors because I kept my journal hidden because as a surgeon, I experienced so many problems in people's lives, as well as, you know, the fact that as a doctor, I couldn't cure everybody. And sometimes they had more trouble because of me, uh, if I made an error in a diagnosis or something of that sort. And one night I forgot to hide it away after I wrote in it. And the next day my wife said to me, there's nothing funny in your journal. <laughs> and I said, my life is not funny. What are you talking about? And then she took the time to tell me stories I told her and our children at the dinner table, things that left them smiling and laughing that happened at the hospital. Um, and it occurred to me, I don't remember that. I never make notes about that. So I, I really treasured that comment from my wife because then I focused on the good things that happened too. You oh, know, I didn't eliminate the difficulties, but I also put down the things that helped me survive and got me through the day. 
Well, you know, Bernie, um, the way you have infused your wisdom into certain people who had stage four cancer and they lived and the doctor said, it's a miracle, you're cured. And she's, and they would say, oh, I just did what Bernie said. I thought of happiness. I saw myself five years from now going to my son's graduation, getting grandchildren. I wasn't focusing on my illness. I was focusing on my wellness. Right. And I learned from the patients because I often literally met people I thought were dead. You know, if you're told, I would never say this to a patient, but these are, you know, they may be seeing other doctors who say, oh, you have two months to live. Uh, so they didn't come back to the office. And I'd see them and say, I thought you were dead. <laughs> That's but, horrible. But they always had a story to tell because they said, why should I come back if somebody's going to tell me I'm going to be dead? See, those are people who had the courage because I know other people, well, this, and I don't make up any of these stories. You have lung cancer. You enjoy playing with your grandchildren and betting on horses. So you need to read the paper to see who's in what race. You develop a cataracts. So you can't have fun anymore. You go to your insurance company and say, hey, I'm going to have cataract surgery. And they said, no, we're not going to pay for it because you'll be dead in six months. So we're not going to spend money on you if you're not going to live more than six months. He went home, literally climbed into bed, laid down, totally depressed and died within a week. And I told the family to sue the insurance company and they did, you know, to wake them up. Uh, so again, you learn, I see in the psychiatrists are more familiar with this. When the AIDS epidemic came out, one of the psychiatrists wrote about an immune competent personality. Cause he noticed that there were certain people who were doing far better than everybody else and they had a certain personality, see? And if you went to, you know, somebody treating infectious disease, they haven't gotten into the person's life. They are saying, here's a pill, um, not what's going on in your life. I always say, when you read literally in medical journals, the ads, or you see them on television, say, I'm depressed. I went to my physician, he prescribed, you know, such and such a drug, I feel better now. I've written to companies and said, why don't you have the doctor say to the patient, tell me what's getting you depressed? What's happening in your life? I mean, what if somebody's house burned down and their family's killed? You go to a doctor, you say, I'm depressed. Here's the pill. He doesn't say why, what's happened. And you know, they never change the ad or answer my letters, but uh, it's the sad part. And let me add one more thing. After I had gotten into survivor personality, I wrote several articles about their dreams, drawings, different things, and sent them to medical journals where they, came, they were sent back saying, interesting, but not appropriate for our journal. So I sent it to a psychiatry journal, came back again. This time it said it's appropriate, but it isn't interesting. We know all this. And that's the sad part of medicine. You're treating not a person, they, you're treating a diagnosis. And Jung said that ages ago, that the doctor, the diagnosis helps the doctor, but it doesn't help the patient. They, so the psychiatrist learns what Jung called the patient's story, and the doctor is treating the diagnosis.
and not Boy, that's not the truth um, yeah. we all have stories of healing people in our lives because of our attitude and helping them see that there were options to illness and right. options to dying from cancer and we all have um to remember that it is a power of suggestion sometimes to get somebody better um I think that it can happen. Let me interrupt you to say, people who go to my website and read Deceiving People Into Health. Ah. They, what you're really doing is hypnotizing people. But I'm lying to them, literally. But they believe in me. So they have a wonderful result. And nobody, I don't tell them I'm lying when I'm done. They're so happy. You know, they, I did a lot of children's surgery and I would lie to the kids for their benefit, like an alcohol sponge. You say, oh, you're lucky. This is a new sponge. It numbs your skin. You don't feel needles. And you, you know, rub their yeah. skin and they say, oh, why don't the other doctors use it? Yeah. I mean, they're so thrilled, you see, and you've yeah. lied to them. Um, but it's because they have trusted me and their parents so we can lie to their benefit. And um, I don't know if that's lying or if that's a hope. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, I put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Bernie. It, it, it's in a sense deceiving them for their benefit. Mm -hmm. But I with you. To be trained how to talk to people. The, um, oh, the you could do, a, I would do a course for doctors on how to talk to the patients if that was right. the last thing I did. And you are, you Even can tell what me. what your office looks like. I mean, colors, outdoor scenes. I always say that there was one doctor I stopped going to because when you were in the examining room waiting for her, all you had on the wall was what you're going to die of. You know, oh. breast cancer, prostate cancer, heart disease, diabetes, these big posters, you know, from different companies. What the hell? Who wants to sit there reading that while you're waiting for your doctor? What if she had some lovely pictures on the wall? you know, of nature, animals. Or decide to be healthy, a poem, yeah. decide to be yeah. healthy. Yeah, you could talk about exercise, you could talk about things to do to keep healthy, but not show you what you're gonna die of. And uh, it, it's just crazy. It and is, and I don't know why they don't wise up, because Bernie, you, you're not the youngest person on the planet, and you've been talking right. this way for so long, and all those people who believe you get better. All the magazines from the 90s, where I was a cover boy, because I caused trouble, says controversial Dr. Love. See, controversial. And most of the article was about people who said he's nuts. You know, it wasn't about sharing my experience. It was all kinds of criticism. Now today, science has verified the differences. You know, we have so many, well, books now written, your life and your genes, you know, and you can't separate them. And uh, there were books written a while ago, too, that I loved, um, that again, were about the neurophysiology and hormonal changes and how they affected your life and health. We can't separate our life from our health. You know, I always say the simple example is Monday morning. More heart attack, stroke, suicides on Monday. They, now you'd say, why on Monday? Because everybody gets up, oh, I hate my job, I hate travel, the traffic. I, 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 I. 
So your body responds to that. I always say your body thinks it's doing you a favor. Oh, we'll have a heart attack. You don't have to go to work for a couple of months then. You know, I mean, it's a crazy thing to say, but it, you can't separate these things. So that's why I began to learn to people, and this is something simple everybody can do. If you have a health problem or emotional problem, say to yourself, how would I describe this if I had to tell Dr. Siegel what I'm going through? See? And I'm not saying you tell me I have ulcerative colitis. That's not what I ask you. What's it like to have a migraine, to have ulcerative colitis or whatever disease? The words that popped out of people, two examples were pressure for a lady who was gonna be admitted to the hospital with severe migraine and failure for a woman who had cancer. So we went into the pressure in her life that needed to be relieved. Turns out to be her marriage. And within about 20 minutes of our discussion, she got up and went home instead of being admitted to the hospital. Oh my gosh. The lady with failure said, oh, my body failed me. I said, that's not my question. How does failure fit your life? Oh, my parents committed suicide when I was a child. I must have been a failure as a child. So these things come out in words or in images, as I said. You say, draw a picture. One reporter thought I was nuts. You know, this is way back when. She's interviewing me, the crazy Dr. Siegel. And I said to her, draw a picture for me. So she did. I look at it, she's got a great big head on herself, which I knew was her, you know, very intellectual. Um, but behind her on the wall in the picture was a clock with one hand pointing at six. So I thought, I gotta get to her. See, I mean, normally I would have said, why is six an important number for you? But I thought, let me see what I can do to shake her up. I said, what happened when you were six years old? I don't like deadlines. I said, what happened when you were six years old? And then came the tears and the sexual, uh, you know, Abuse. molestation. Yeah. yeah. And then the interview is very different because mm. it's like, Oh, Bernie. Well, he was done and how lucky he did. Yeah. And you know, the, when people ask you those hard questions, your heart opens up. What you were ashamed of opens up the energy right. to allow you to live your life. Bernie, I hope everybody replays this interview because if they could understand that what's going on in their outside of their body is what is internally right. keeping them there, right? Yes, and one simple drawing they can do, draw a picture, well, like a medical student, draw yourself working as a doctor. To other people, I could say, draw yourself at work, draw your home and family, then look at it. With medical students, it was shocking because all they were doing was sitting behind a desk with a diploma on the wall. There wasn't a patient in the picture. Mm. In one medical school class, only one student draw himself helping a patient. All the others were, you know, equipment and desk and a diploma. And drawing your home and family, I mean, you know, when a child is depressed and unhappy, and I say to them, draw your home and family, then I can say to the parents, look how they feel. To the father, you're at work. To the mother, you're in the kitchen. You know, his brother's in the bedroom. He's out in the yard by himself. You're all separated. And they are grateful because they know it's not me criticizing the family, it's them. This was a child who had cancer. And she said to me, 
I don't get enough time for my family. Oh, no, we're all blah, blah, blah. I said, draw a picture of your family. What did it get handed? The family sitting on a sofa with an empty seat. There were three other children. So mom and dad, the three siblings, and they're all holding each other. And the child with cancer sitting on a chair all by herself. I hold it up to the parents. I said, look how she feels. She could be on the sofa, but she isn't. And they said, thank you. I mean, they were caring people, but they didn't realize how she was feeling. And so again, when you say to kids, draw yourself and they're a little insect on the operating table, I say to the parents, they need your love, not a lot of plastic surgery, if you know what I mean, so they feel better about their bodies and themselves. You're starting a revolution right here on this program, Bernie, that if we really pay attention to what's going on in our lives, we might cure ourselves. We might figure it out why we need to go to the doctor. And you know, you're absolutely right. Doctors say like when my late husband cured his old prostate cancer with wheatgrass juice, as silly as that may sound, it worked. Do you know what the doctor said? What? What are you doing here? I thought you were going to die. And so my husband said, I don't want to die. I want to live. And that, I don't know if it was a wheatgrass juice or his attitude. I don't want to die. And he lived 10 years after that. Yeah, don't let me forget. I mean, some more things to tell you. But one that was so funny, I told the family to invite me to the funeral when this guy said, I'm going to Colorado to die in the mountains. So a year later, and he was told he had two months to live. So a year later, I called up to say to the family, you know, you disregarded my feelings. I wanted to come to the funeral, but he answered the phone. <laughs> and he said, it was so beautiful here, I forgot to die. And so, you know, the people always have a story. And let me add this so they'll understand. You get well when you're not supposed to, and the doctor says, well, you're lucky, you had a spontaneous remission. That's stupidity. You should be saying, how come you didn't die when you were supposed to? That's what I began to say to people. You know, I'd meet them at my lectures and workshops. Hey, I, what? You, you come back to the office. Hey, if people tell me I'm going to die, what's the point of going to the doctor? But they always had a story. And in his book, Cancer Ward, to summarize it, Solzhenitsyn says, one of the men finds a book in the hospital library. Look, it says here there are cases of self-induced healing. Not recovery through treatment, but healing. And the symbol a rainbow-colored butterfly fluttered out of the book. I thought, my God, he knows exactly what I'm talking about because he had cancer, Solzhenitsyn. The rainbow-colored butterfly. Do you learn you have cancer? What do you do? Well, I'll get my life in order. The rainbow, harmony. You have to break out of the cocoon? Yeah, the butterfly. So it may take some work, but you change your life. You find harmony. And then you notice, I didn't die when I was supposed to. Yeah. And for I often say fiction has so much truth in it because Solzhenitsyn doesn't just come up with that, if you know what I mean. He's observing life. And so he writes about it. They, and the doctor doesn't observe the life. Because I have paintings hanging in my house, uh, the consultation, the doctor, you know, people are dying, and what's the doctor doing in all the pictures? Thinking. I mean, a child is dying. The father was the artist. And the kid's lying there limp. He doesn't say to the parents, pick it up and embrace your child. Because there are a lot of kids who came back to life, literally, when 
the parents are told, don't need to be intensive care unit. Your child is dying here. You know, you can hold your baby. And when mama puts it against her bare chest, everybody's shocked. The kid comes back to life. Yeah. Oh, that connection, that beauty, the love. Bernie, you are just love in motion for people who have illnesses. And I have people who have been on my podcast who were cured and they say it's because they read your books. Bernie, could you tell us uh, your website? What is I your website? Say this. I am only a coach. It isn't because you read the book. It's because you do what it tells you to do because you're not afraid of failing. You know, we're all going to die someday. But I was amazed at how few people wanted help because, oh, you have to read a book, you have to draw a picture, I'm not an artist, I'm very busy, I don't have time to read a book. And then there are other people who stay up all night and do it, and you know damn well they're going to do well. Oh, uh, the website is Bernie Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L-M-D.com. Bernie no. Siegel, MD.com. Right. Now, this is important because when you go to Bernie Siegel, MD, is there a period after the M and the D? Can no, you? No, okay. no, MD, you know, medical doctor. MD. All right, gotcha. Um, when you go to Bernie Siegel, MD.com, you're going to get more examples of people who have cured themselves, people who, who were living in terrible situations because their family's lives weren't working. And all of a sudden they say, wait a minute, I'm going to work on me. I'm going to make me the healthy member of the family. And then all of a sudden things change. And when you listen to Bernie, remember this. The power you have to cure yourself often begins with what, Bernie? Your thoughts, your well, energy? Taking charge of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, do what makes you happy. You know, as my mother would say, difficulties are God redirecting you. Mm -hmm. You know, so you, have, you, you take on it and, and you're there to help the world. Then you take on a different role and your body responds to it. So go back to what your mother said. Difficulties are there to well, it used to drive me crazy. Let me say, when I used to come home from school as a kid, I had a horrible day at school. God is redirecting you. Something good will come of this. Oh. Like, uh, I need your help. God is redirecting. <laughs> then I say, Ma, I got to make some decisions about classes and things at school. Oh, do what makes you happy. My, I need help. Do what makes you happy. Now, my father's father died when he was 11, leaving six children and a wife with nothing because he had tuberculosis and nobody would give him insurance. And my father said one of the most important things that happened to me was my father dying when I was 12 years old. It taught me what was important about life. Well, when I heard him say that, you know, one of the best things that ever happened was my father dying when I was 12. But he said, yeah, what it taught me. And he spent his life helping others. You know, it could be financial, it could be other ways, but he was trying to make people's lives easier because he had seen what he and his family went through. So I have to say, I grew up in a very different environment. See, as a kid, I didn't know it. I didn't know what other kids were going through. You know, that that their alcoholic father beats them up and they tell me I fell off my bike. That's why I'm black and blue, you see, because they were afraid thinking they're the only ones in class who are going through that. And uh, what we need to also let the kids know is they're not alone to share your troubles. And really then school in a sense becomes group therapy. 
you talk to each other, you help each other, you don't lie to each other. That's what best friends are for too. You know, share your secrets, share your life. You'll be absolutely amazed at the healthy living and the peace and the happiness that comes from a good friend and, and be your best own best friend. You're listening to Bernie Siegel and I'm Barbara Gonmuller and this is peacepodcast.org. And again, I mentioned you're going to be on Spotify, iTunes and Google Sound. Isn't this wonderful that you can tune in anytime you need a little inspiration from Dr. Bernie Siegel and his book, 365 Prescriptions for the Soul. And then I just ordered Love Medicine and Miracles. I Again, because I keep lending it to people and they never give it back. And I love reading. <laughs> yeah, I, I've noticed that. Too. I just love reading your words. So, without further ado, Bernie, do you have something you'd like to end this program with today? Well, I'd say to look, go to my website, look at all the other books I've written, and understand this. I had a C in creative writing in college. I never expected to write a single book my entire life. But you see, there are no coincidences. You meet people, they help you, and things happen. But we have books about animals, books literally about miracles, uh -huh. where a lady goes to sleep in the dream. Somebody says you have a lump in your breast. She wakes up, does. It's cancer. The fascinating thing, at the hospital, her doctor turned out to be the woman who was in her dream who told her she had a lump in her breast. And so I keep writing all these stories you know, to, for people to read and understand what is real and true. Absolutely. I don't make up a single story. Bernie Siegel, you are one of the miracles on planet Earth to help us live our best lives. And as I have this moment to say thank you, bless you, and continued good health for you, Bernie. Thank you. you. Definitely, definitely are one of our miracles. Now, you listeners out there, you could have a watch party. Why don't you play Bernie's program? Why don't you sit down and invite your friends to talk about what you learn? Talk about it because it spreads. Every conversation can bring you more understanding and under and you never know what's going to come up when you have a conversation. If you're really present, something can be there. Bernie, can I close with one more thing. Absolutely. There's a poem by W. H. Auden called Miss G. The doctor examines a very lonely lady, comes home and says to his wife, cancer's a funny thing. Childless women get it and men when they retire. It's as if there had to be an outlet for their foiled creative fire. Now a doctor yelled at me, just because it rhymes doesn't make it true. But it is true. You see, we have come a long way since he yelled at me, you know, decades ago reading that poem. And that's why I say the fiction, why would a poet say those things? So look at your life. You don't, re as Joseph Campbell said, don't ever retire. You engage and you disengage. So I've seen people close their law office and start playing a violin when they told they had cancer and get a job in an orchestra and not die. Why were they a lawyer? Because mom and dad said, we don't want a violinist as a son. We want a lawyer, you see. We'll be proud of a lawyer. Well. Let your heart make up your mind. Not let your heart make up your mind right. and let your heart be open to the words of Dr. Bernie Siegel. And I am so delighted that you're on our program today, Bernie. And I am so delighted that you have joined us. I'm Barbara Gunn-Mueller saying, please watch us for the Peace Podcast that might just change your life. Mm -hmm.